Then today, what we're doing is as we look in this scripture, we see a resurrected Jesus whose body testifies to what he has been through. The wounds still present in his hands, his side, and his feet. It all happened so quickly. Many of the disciples, they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared what to do with those emotions of seeing him like that. And one of those who couldn't wrap his mind around it was Thomas. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 20, verse 24, and I want to read 24 through 29 to you. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And church, may you be blessed today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for the excitement and the joy that it brings. That God, we serve a resurrected Savior. God, your word speaks to us that, Lord... No one is perfect but your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we gather today, may we see that we can obtain salvation through his perfection. Not ours, God. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You know, because of this scripture right here, universally Thomas is known, he, he has another name that he carries. You guys know what it is? doubting Thomas and I don't know about you but I read this I can identify with Thomas I once had, had a prophet that came to a church and he prophesied over me he said you are a see it to believe it person and inside I wanted to scream no I'm not but I realized yes yes I am now, Thomas was in denial because what Jesus had just accomplished was against all odds. It was against all odds. Sure, he saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but what Jesus went through in his mind, you don't come back from. You don't come back from that. Think about it. Thomas, he had been following this Messiah around who, to him, seemed untouchable. The things that he could do. And all of a sudden... An untouchable Savior is taken, whipped, beaten, hung on the cross, unrecognizable as a man, and then on that tree he died. And so we can also infer that Thomas, he didn't pay close attention because Jesus had warned the disciples repeatedly on what he must do. He said things like earlier in his ministry in Matthew chapter 16, 21, we read, he says, from then on, or it says, then 
from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. He told them these things, and still they had trouble wrapping their mind around it. So it's easy for us to think, well, Jesus warned them. How could they not just accept it? My greatest example of see it to believe it, people, is storm chasers. Any of you ever want to be a storm chaser? Now, we're Iowans, so let's be real for a minute, right? If the tornado sirens are going off, I'm yelling at my entire family to go downstairs, and I'm going out on the front porch. And I'm like, okay, where is it? I got to see it. And what's crazy about this, when, when we lived in Waterloo, we were only 30 miles from a town called Applington. If, you, if you've never heard about Applington, Applington got hit by two tornadoes. And both tornadoes just devastated the town. And the most recent, it was in uh, 2008. And I remember going to Applington in 2012 and seeing like all new houses thinking, wow, these people got it nice. No, no, they got devastated by a tornado. Thomas, being a witness to Jesus' death, brought a finality to his mind. It was over. Everything he had witnessed was over. Thomas declared in verse 25, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. You see, Thomas wasn't with the other disciples, what, the, the part that Sherry read. He wasn't with them when they saw Jesus. So no doubt they told him about it. And so to him, this seems impossible. You guys are playing a gag on me. You're playing a trick. I don't know what's going on. But all of a sudden, here they are gathered together, all the disciples in one room. And Christ shows up. And he meets Thomas in his doubt. He meets him in his doubt. Think about it. How many times did Jesus tell them all these things were going to happen? Even miracle after miracle, he told them, and if, if I was Jesus, and thank God I'm not, if I was Jesus and I heard about Thomas doubting any miracle that I had done, I would have said, there is nothing else I can do for you, man. There's nothing else I can do. But Jesus appears immediately, goes to him, and encourages him. Go ahead, touch the wounds in my hands. Put your, put your hand into my side. Feel that wound. You know, there's three kinds of doubt mentioned in Scripture. The first one's pronounced diacrino, which means to hesitate. Jesus used this word in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. He says, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Don't hesitate in your heart is what the word is exclaiming. The next word is distazo, which simply means to doubt. Just, I doubt it. This word is used when Peter walked on the water. Peter is seeing Jesus walking on the water and, and Peter's the kind of guy he wears his heart on his sleeve and, and all the time he's just 
the first one to get up and do it because he's so excited. And he sees Jesus walking on the water and he leaps out of the boat. He's walking on the water and then all of a sudden the reality sets in and he starts focusing instead of on Jesus, he's focusing on everything going on around him. And he realizes at that moment, I'm doing the impossible. And he doubts, wait a second. And he begins to sink. Then Jesus pulls him up and says, why did you doubt? The third, which is used here in this verse, is the word epistos. The word pistos means faith, but adding the A to the word translates to no faith. Which speaks to me for the human heart, especially someone who's followed Jesus for so long. It's a dangerous place to be in. And in these different forms of doubt, you can doubt a situation. But what this tells me is Thomas lost all hope. He lost all hope. Titus 1.15 says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Thomas was standing there, a defiled mind in his man, completely questioning everything he had just been a part of. Church, this is a dangerous place to be. But Jesus Christ gives the unbeliever much to believe in. And he goes there and he meets Thomas in his doubt. And he makes him a believer again. And then we have believing Thomas. You see, everyone calls him doubting Thomas. But no one realizes that this man went from doubting to solely believing in Jesus. Because Thomas sees the wounds. He sees his hands. He sees his side. He sees his feet. And I don't know about you. But if Jesus would have taken my hand and put it into his side, I probably would have collapsed on the floor. In John 20, 27, it says, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Thomas's reaction is awestruck wonder. It was all of a sudden faith immediately restored to him. And in that moment, he not only believed Christ was risen from the dead, but accepted the resurrection, proved the deity of Jesus Christ. This is the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world. And I can tell you moments where the nature of Jesus and he witnessed the power of Jesus and I have witnessed that in my own life and it has brought me to moments of awestruck wonder in what he can do. Now all of a sudden for Thomas to know that not only is he a God that took the sins of all of humanity and he died for all people. But he died for me. And he came back to life. That he cares enough not to just do it for all, but he cares enough to do it for one. 
Think about it. He could have just, he could have just orchestrated a, another message in the room. He could have called thousands of people again to say, look what I have done. But he goes to those that he most loved, the ones that he intimately walked with for three years, and he sees the one who's doubting, and he pulls him right back in. Jesus Christ died and rose again for the doubting, for the doubters. Think about it. How many times have you heard a professional athlete talk about the only reason they got to where they were going was because of all the doubters in their life. And so it caused them to work harder and it caused them to, to prove to other people how great they were. And oftentimes in proving those doubters wrong, they also shunned those people in their life. They shut them out. But Jesus immediately approaches him. Because Jesus cares for the unbeliever to fully believe in him because he died for the unbeliever too. He didn't just die, but he rose again. And church, I want you to see that, that the, the, the significance in this because you see, dying for my sins, there, there's clearly no greater sacrifice, but his resurrection displays his divinity. It shows that he is sovereign. It shows he's all-powerful. It shows that he is a part of the Godhead. It shows that he is victorious. Nothing can have power over him, even death. And there is nothing on the face of this earth that can say that but my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All that and yet, he wants to meet you where you are at and show you that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Because he cares about you. See, God can look on you, he can see your doubt, and he will give you the means to believe if you just seek him out. This moment in Thomas' life, it, it undoubtedly changed him forever. Let's talk about Thomas for a minute. This is a man who was, who was doubting right after Jesus' death. And then he goes on to have this amazing ministry because you see, after Jesus ascended into heaven about 40 days later, Thomas took that go into all the world and preach the gospel quite literally. He traveled to southern India. And it is believed Thomas was killed for his faith in 72 AD in a place called Madras which is in the state of Tamil Nadu, which actually there are 500 open Bible churches now in Tamil Nadu. And as a matter of fact, because I've, I've been there, I can say that, but in India, he established seven churches, and believe it or not, they all still exist today. And here's why I tell you this. I want to encourage you because God can work through your doubt today. He can work through your doubt. You see, what I've learned in my, in my life and following Christ is that faith often precedes doubt. Think about it. Doubt is a natural response to the pain of our faith being tested. So God cares for you in your doubt. He doesn't expect you to have everything figured out. So stop pretending you do have everything figured out. Because listen to what David says in Psalm 37, 23 through 24. 
He says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. You can be blessed for believing in Jesus Christ even though you haven't seen him. And he will work through your doubt. He will work through your failures. He will work through your stumblings because God is right there and he is making sure that you don't fall too far. Which brings you here today. You have the opportunity to believe in him without seeing which right here, Jesus even exclaims in, in this section of Scripture that I read that that is a true representation of faith because if you claim the name of Jesus for yourself as the Savior, not just of the world, check this out, but the Savior of your life, you are blessed. I've thought so many times how often I wished I could have walked with him in his ministry, seen the miracles, seen the things that he's done, been personally challenged by him in my belief. But his response to Thomas tells me that I'm better off. Listen to verse 29 again. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8-9, through 9, it says, You love Him even though you have never seen Him. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. To me, if you believe, you are also the living embodiment of what faith truly is. Listen to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I gotta tell you, I hope for the second coming of my Lord Jesus Christ where he is going to rescue me from the pit of despair. He's going to claim me as his own and take me into eternity with him. And church, I am telling you, that is faith. That is faith. We have not had the ability to be able to walk with him in the flesh here on earth, but we are looking to him and trusting that he's going to return for his people, and it brings me hope. It challenges me to focus on my eternal future, and that is my challenge for you today. <clears throat> you see, believing in Jesus Christ is as complex or as simple as you want to make it. I can make it simple. In fact, I, I prefer it simple. God sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He died for you and I. And he rose again proving he is God. God sent his only son so that you may live and that you may have everlasting life. We recognize, church, that, that God did this for us, and we're not perfect. We don't deserve it. In fact, we should have been in his place. But we needed him there so that we might be saved from death. Brian, if you would come. See, Jesus Christ is our rescue plan He's our rescue plan 
of eternal salvation. He is our rescue plan for eternal life. You see, all of sin and all fall short of the glory of God. And church, I am telling you that if you felt down in the dumps about the things you have done, we can't get to heaven by our own means. By our own means, we are paving a path to hell. But Jesus Christ comes in and he rescues us from that path. It is only by him. So if you are trying to maintain this level of perfection, I'm telling you, you're not going to get there. That doesn't exist. But if you simply choose to trust and look to him, I'm telling you, he's going to lead and guide you. And even if you stumble and fall, he is holding your hand and he is going to carry you and he's going to pick you back up and he's going to restore you into his intended purpose, which is through Jesus Christ. God provided Jesus to cleanse us, to make us new. He takes away our sin, and he remembers it no more. I want you to hear that. He remembers it no more. And the day you choose Christ, you're a new creation. The day you choose him. New life is born, and and church, I'm telling you, you can claim that today. But this is what I hold on to more than anything. His love. What he suffered and died, I deserve. What he suffered and died, we deserve. Because here's the reality. God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. There needs to be a sacrifice for it. And so he chose, because he loves his creation so much, to send his his son for you and I. Without him, we're nothing. With him, we're everything. So I want you to do right now is I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to focus. I want you to imagine, I don't know if you've ever seen movies like The Passion of the Christ or seen representations of what it was like for Christ to be crucified on the cross. But I want you to see him there. Because as we talked about last week, the wages of our sin is death. And he became sin. And he, he, he had never sinned. So he could become our righteousness. And so I want you to see, even though he is on that cross, even though he is suffering and dying for you, I want you to see him on that cross no more. He is the resurrected Savior of the world. He's not dead. You can't go to a tomb over in Jerusalem and and find him there today. He's not there. His body is gone. 
but you can go directly to God the Father because of what God the Son, Jesus Christ, has done, who is now sitting at the Father's right hand. And He is your mediator. Anytime Satan wants to condemn you, Jesus can tap His Father on the shoulder. And He can point at the wounds in His hands, in His feet, in His side, and say, they're covered by My blood. That can be you today. It just takes belief. It just takes belief. Thomas put his hands in his wounds and believed. God wants to meet you if you are in doubt. He wants to meet you today. And I believe He's stirring your heart. And if you would say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying and I, I need to choose Jesus. I need to be set free. I need to walk in this freedom that Jesus provides. I don't want to be defined by my sin anymore. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Is there anybody? Praise God. Praise God. I see those hands. Praise God. You have the opportunity today to be made new, to be made righteous in Jesus Christ. And that He, by recognizing Him, has taken your sins on the cross. Whether you're a believer or you're raising your hands for the first time today, I want you to just lift your hands up to heaven in, the, in a surrender to God. And I want you to pray after me. Lord God, I thank you for the life of your son Jesus who came to the earth, who took that cross for me, who suffered and died, but rose again three days later. Lord, come into my life. I claim the blood of your son that it cover my sin and you will remember it no more. Lord, I repent of the things that I have done and choose new life through you today. Father, make me a new creation. Walk with me daily. And may I become like your son. I thank you, Lord, for that amazing grace and all that you have accomplished for me. Now may I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, give a round of applause for those who are in the kingdom today.